Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. Hello. Josh, welcome to you. Well, thank you. And Matt Van Milligan. Hello. Matthew, welcome. Uh, it's a uh, really uh, special week in the life of the church because there's a whole bunch of feast days mm-hmm. happening this week. Uh, so there's uh, All Saints Day, yep. right? There's All Souls Day. And not to mention, we're coming to the end of ordinary time in the life of our church. So mm-hmm. we're, we're coming up to... Uh, the Advent season, so there's like, it's always that time of year where we're kind of gearing up for something, and and the clocks change back on Saturday, and the clocks are changing, <laughs> the, the days are getting shorter. Yeah, you know, yeah. life is looking gloomier, but there's always <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel. There's always light thanks to our Lord. So, uh, with the feast of All Saints Day, you know, it, it's always uh, November first. The church declares it as a holy day of obligation. Our local uh, conference uh, of bishops in Canada have uh, not really uh, have not kept it as a yeah. uh, holy day of obligation. However, I think it's a noble thing for people to go to mass on All Saints Day and therefore All Souls Day. Uh, but of course, you know, this week people are occupied with Halloween and all these different things. But on All Saints Day, we celebrate literally. All saints, <laughs> because and and just a little background before we get into uh, some of the saints we're going to talk about today is uh, most saints have a feast day, mm-hmm. right? So most f- saints have a day that's attributed to them that uh, you can offer mass uh, either as a memorial or as a feast or some as a solemnity. And not all saints are on the liturgical calendar, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're not as important saints, mm-hmm. right? So let's just make a distinction here because I do hear a lot of people say, you know, my sister is a saint or my kid's (laughs) teacher, she's a saint or whatever it might be. So let's just be clear that saints are people who are in heaven with our Lord. That's how you earn the title of saint. And there are canonized saints where the church has recognized uh, that they are in heaven either by way of a miracle or some sort of two miracles, yeah, deliberation by yeah, a yeah. panel of, of people. And there are non canonized saints, so people who are in heaven that the church hasn't formally declared that they're in heaven, but that doesn't mean that they're not there. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, so I think we could say that we can say that all canonized saints are in heaven from like, based on what the church believes. So all, but there are lots of other saints that aren't canonized, right? right? There's still lots there that we haven't recognized. Maybe we just haven't in, gone into their life. We haven't. And there's some that are, that were are they're on their way now, you know, just as That's things right. can come forward. Yeah. The other thing I like to, I like to remember on all saints day yeah. is like that is where we're heading like or that's at least our goal where we our minds and hearts should be like mm-hmm. we are called to be in heaven with the lord we are called to be saints so mm-hmm. what are we doing about that now so that's why the celebration of all saints day should really get us thinking like what am i doing in my life to achieve salvation what am i doing in my life to be in heaven with the lord are there things in my life that's threatening mm-hmm. my sainthood 
mm-hmm. if you will. And right? we, and I think it's a good thing to remember too. We honor saints. We don't worship saints. Those are two right. different things. We talk about uh, in, in the Catholic language a lot of times. Kind of gets this mixed up. Praying to God and then praying to saints. Those are two different things. Um, praying to God, worshiping God, adoring God—that's something. But praying to saints, having a conversation with saints, asking the pray- saints to pray for you. Those are two different things. Um, so that we recognize that, right? So that, but saints aren't God, aren't aren't, but they are. Uh, I'm gonna say heroes or um, heroes of models. the faith, role models yeah. of the faith. So like, if we, we put statues up and we put, I mean, like in I'm thinking in Canada, we put statues up of role models and heroes or you know uh, soldiers, let's say, yeah. or whatever the case may be. It's the same kind of thing. We put pictures up around our wall to remind us of our family and our friends and all those kind of things. It's the same kind of thing that we do in the Catholic Church is we put up pictures of saints to remind us, oh, this is a role model. Remember their sacrifice. Remember what they did. And we want to be like them. Now, the idea is not to pray at, I mean, to to worship them, but it's to honor their life and then to imitate it, want to imitate it because they've, they've, They've walked in the footsteps of Christ yeah, and they've and, been there. And we recognize patron saints as, you know, um, usually characterized by the specific virtue that they possess. So, mm-hmm. like, even when you're, we're asking for the intercession of saints, when we're asking them to pray for us, you know, we, we can ask, we can find or identify or, you know, look up on on our phone kind of the, the, the saint that has the specific virtue that we want to embody or that we're, we're kind of praying for at the time. And right in the creed right in the creed that we profess every Sunday and maybe when, every time we pray the rosary or all different times we pray the creed, uh, we profess uh, the creed. We believe in the communion of saints. Yeah. That is what we believe in as Catholics. We believe that the communion of saints is not only heavenly, right, mm-hmm. but the communion of saints here, that we live in communion with the, the, with the Christian people here that are, that are trying to be saints, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So just like in that communion of saints, that's why you were saying you know, we have statues or images of saints. We look to them for guidance because these people have uh, known the faith. They've loved God. They've persevered through great difficulties and challenges, and we can learn something from them. From their story, yeah. And we should love them. You know, as, 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 as Christians, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So just like maybe in your home, you might have pictures of your kids on the wall or maybe your mom or your dad or whatever it might be. You know, in the church... We have pictures of of these saints, our, yeah. our brothers and sisters in Christ, who have persevered, who have yeah. you know fought the good fight, like Saint Paul says, and have made it to heaven, and that's our goal. Yeah. So that's just sort of a summary of what like, Saint. the sainthood <laughs> is. So we celebrate all saints. So this is the day where we acknowledge uh, sainthood. Not everyone has a has a uh, particular feast day, and in some local customs, you might celebrate on, on one day. You might celebrate. Uh, a particular fa- a particular uh, saint r- over another. I know, for example, you know, at, at the end of September in Canada, we celebrate the Canadian martyrs. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the United States celebrates the North American martyrs in October. Right. So there's depending on local custom, maybe those saint days sort of shift, but not everyone's on the liturgical calendar. So November first is is reserved for all saints. Now, speaking of all saints, we could list a whole. A litany of saints that we <laughs> that we know yeah. and uh, love, and uh, our churches are named after, and the feast days we celebrate. But there are some saints that are lesser known, mm-hmm. right? But still have value for our spiritual life. I think so. Today's challenge was to pick a saint 
each of us was going to pick a saint that is lesser known. Tell us a little bit about their story, why you chose them, and what um, you know what they're the patron of, or whatever it might be. Uh, so uh, each of us has picked an, uh, an obscure saint, mm-hmm. right? So who wants to go first in this little uh, day when we're talking about the lesser known saints? Because we are celebrating all saints. Yeah, yeah, I can go first um, and add kind of the, the qualification that uh, our criteria for the, the podcast was obscure and awesome saints. So, um, you know, we, we shortlisted a few. Um, so my, my obscure saint um, uh, is, is David the Dendrite. Um, and David the Dendrite. David the Dendrite. And, and properly speaking, his, his name is actually David of uh, Thessalonica or Thessaloniki, or, okay. uh, depending if you're in the Eastern or Western uh, tradition. Um, and uh, Dendrite, Dendrite might um, uh, strike a note because there, there are a bunch of saints that are called Dendrites, and dendra, like Dendron is just the Greek word for tree. Um, so <clears throat> there were saints who you know made a habit or made a practice or a discipline of living in trees. As as, wow. an, as as an act of uh, poverty. Okay, cool. Um, so in this case, uh, David, David of Thessalonica, uh, otherwise known as David the Dendrite, uh, he lived around uh, b- between uh, uh, 450 and 550 um, AD. So uh, right around kind of the the fall of the Roman Empire, um, and he was a monk. He was he was well known for his wisdom and his advice, um, but he wanted to be left alone. Um, he he wanted to live <laughs> Don't we all? a quiet contemplative life of prayer. So he went up into a tree. Um, and he stayed there for three years. Wow. He did not leave the tree for three years. So wow. people people would bring him food. People would bring him water, um, and with the expectation that you know when they when they showed up, he would give them advice. He would he would preach to them. Um, so um, you know, and he did this for for three years, rain or shine, in the tree. Um, nobody nobody ever saw him come down. Um, and I should I should say you know there are kind of the facts surrounding his life, and there's also the kind legend. of a legend that emerges yeah. uh, from. So and I, I don't really have the means to distinguish between the two, so I'll just kind of give the the, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the general spiel. So after three years um, of living in a tree, um, he wanted um, uh, he, he decided to make an announcement. So people would come to him all the time uh, to, to get to get his advice. So you know he was going to make an announcement. People showed up. People like um, to hear what he had to say, um, and he announced that he was going into seclusion. So he climbed down the tree. Um, went into the monastery that the tree was next to, and nobody saw him for twenty years. So he he lived a oh, well. <laughs> cool no one story. no one except the other monks saw him for for twenty years. Wow! Um, and he devoted his time to prayer and contemplation. Um, and after this time, um, he emerged. Um, he when he came out um, again. The, the the legend or the story goes um, that his hair was like down to his feet. His beard was down to his feet. <laughs> and you'll see this in, in icons of him, yeah. uh, uh, specifically. The really long hair. In, really in, long. in Eastern uh, Eastern iconography. Um, and he'll have this like glowing white beard and white hair like down down to his, his feet. Um, and <laughs> the, uh, you can imagine after 20 years, there's there's a waiting list of people who seeking his counsel, <laughs> seeking his seeking advice. His advice. Yeah. Um, so, I, and again, during this, this time, you have... Um, uh, yeah, effectively the fall of the Roman Empire. So a lot of the advice he hears um, is is you know the plight of the the people of uh, uh, Thessalonica. So um, he ends up going to uh, the emperor Justinian uh, at the time, and he was again at, at this point he's pretty well known. Um, but he act, uh, and again the the legend goes that he walks into you know um, Justinian holding holding court or whatever the Byzantine Empire does. Uh, emperor does, um, and he picks a hot coal out of the fire, 
takes incense and puts it on um, the uh, the coal. coal and walks around and gives an apostolic kind of blessing to everyone in the room um, and convinces Justinian, like, and again, this is a, this is a long process, to send soldiers to uh, Thessalonica to um, kind of liberate it from kind of the, the attacking barbarians. And then, you know, once his mission is accomplished, um, he decides to sail home. So some, some stories say he decides to sail back to Thessalonica. Some say he, he's sailing to Macedonia. Um, but anyway, while he's on the way, the, the servant or the, the other, the brother monk who came with him, um, that they were kind of on, on the, um, uh, the deck of the ship. Um, and he says, I want my, I want my um, remains to be buried in Thessalonica. And the other brother was confused by this. He's like, we're, like you're, you're, you're still alive. We're, we're on our way home right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and after saying that, um, uh, <laughs> David the Dendrite uh, drops dead. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so he predicted his own death. He yeah, um, lived a life of quiet seclusion, um, but he was you know, a celebrity because of it. I must admit, yeah. I've never heard of David <clears throat> the Dendrite. No. Yeah. 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 Quite obscure. And yeah. he, quite obscure, but sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Right? So here he is living in a tree, giving advice to people, then disappears for 20 years, comes back out, lives this kind of like rock star yeah. faith <laughs> life. I don't know. I know yeah. that's maybe um, over. There, there so. are other stories that while he was in his, his 20 years of seclusion, um, that there, w- there would be fire shooting out of the, the window of his cell, of his uh, yeah. um, um, And because this was the time of, you know, the siege, um, uh, that people would come to check on him to see if he was still alive, if yeah. he was a, a victim of kind of the, the barbarians attacking. And he was like, no, I'm fine. This is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm going to just guess here. Yeah. Is, is like David the Dendrite, like a patron saint of like arborists or something? I don't know. I would Counselors? Uh, yeah, I would yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I would imagine uh, that arborists um, who were invested in patron saints would, would really enjoy See, all, I, I, all, I, all of the dendrite saints, all yeah. of the ones who... I, yeah. I was thinking more arsonist because he was holding the coal. <laughs> like, you know, arborist yeah. or arsonist. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, uh, that's uh, your choice, David the Dendrite, a good obscure saint. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, mine is abs- is, ab- is as obscure, obscure. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. Say David that ten times fast. the Dendrite, yeah. but I'm going to give it a try, okay? So I'm going to go with St. Dennis, okay? St. Yeah. Dennis, uh, he was a third century bishop and martyr, okay? He was born in what we know today as Italy, you know, it was Roman Italia there. Uh, he died uh, around the late third century, so around the year 270, okay? He, he was uh, the bishop of what we know as current-day Paris, okay? Yeah. And uh, so lots of things that happened in Dennis's life. So, and, and there's a reason why I picked Dennis. I know he kind of sounds like a typical patron uh, saint, or, <laughs> you know, but uh, he has a bunch of companions and actually his feast day is October 9th in the, in the Roman calendar, in the liturgical just calendar. Passed. And it's St. Dennis and companions. It's not just St. Dennis. So he has a whole bunch of people that are with him. They're sort of uh, going and, and, and proclaiming the gospel and, and converting lots of people to the Catholic faith. And this is uh, during the time of uh, Domitian's persecution. So lots of things are happening where they're kind of attacking Christians. And uh, the companions of Dennis, some of them are being murdered. Bishop Dennis is kind of going through. And and 
he's converting so many people to the Catholic faith that now he's kind of upset the uh, the uh, uh, what would you say like the, the, the secular the secular yeah. powers that be right because they were so effective in converting people that sort of the pagans <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you will they were becoming really upset over what Dennis was doing so what happens uh, the Roman uh, governor these pagans are instigating the Roman governor to arrest them all. So they do. They have a long imprisonment. Okay, so the bishop Dennis is in uh, is in prison. They're arrested by the Roman governors. He's he's some of his some of the people there are murdered, uh, decapitated, actually beheaded, and then eventually Bishop Dennis was also beheaded. Okay, but what happened was <laughs> so uh, his uh, beheading takes place on the highest hill in Paris. You know, it's actually called, I don't, my French is not good, but it's like Montmartre, Montmartre or like Montmartre. Like Martyr? Like Mount, Mount Martyr. Okay. Right? It's still there. It's, a, it's a, you know, the, the highest place in Paris. You can go see it today and visit it. So he, he has this execution. He's, 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 he's beheaded on this mountain. So what happens is he, after his head is cut off, he's said to have gone picked up his head his body his body, his body goes and picks up his head <laughs> and walks several miles okay uh, from the hill to uh, another area and he's the the head is preaching a, a sermon the entire the, way the entire way like not even death sort of like not even this angry death that people wanted to silence I mean why were they killing him to silence him yeah. right and he just picks up the head he carries it forward and the whole time his head is preaching this sermon <laughs> so it's it's uh, it, there's a there's a big word for it and I'm going to I'm not going to say it it's uh, <laughs> cephalophore okay cephalophore is a term for people who are generally depicted with their head, carrying their head, right? St. Dennis was the first of these. <laughs> and in, in looking up these cephalophores, you would think there's just a few. No, there's like there's like maybe like four dozen cephalophores. They like all talked with their heads off. Yeah, well, they didn't. I don't know <laughs> if they talked, but they're depicted today as, as carrying, carrying their heads. Their head. So people who are beheaded and yeah. and carrying, you know, like and these. If you're talking obscure saints, like these are obs- obscure saints, like people like Justinian of Ramsey, Justice of Bovin, like uh, like no one knows. You got to look. Yeah, up yeah, these, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Look at these names. The headless horseman. Right. I mean, <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, uh, Saint Dennis, I think is really. Uh, is is was my choice because today we're often silenced by so many things in our culture, right? So many people are are afraid to preach the gospel. This man had his head cut off, picks it up by the grace of God, right? Picks yeah, yeah. it up and continues to preach the word of God. No doubt, uh, you know, martyred for his faith, becomes a saint. Okay, question for you: What do you think he's the patron saint? Of. Headaches? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Seriously, it is. It is. It's headaches. Yeah. So another reason for people <laughs> to pray for oh, the no, intercession no. of Saint Dennis yeah. because he, he's yeah. the patron saint of headaches. Because of the decapitation or because of the long preaching? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah. So there's St. Dennis. We celebrate his feast day on October 9th. So that's uh, St. Dennis. That's my choice for an obscure saint. But a, a really good example of someone, uh, of someone who obviously had... You can't just after death pick up your head and keep w- walking. This was obviously a very holy man. And yeah, that's that, yeah, yeah. That beats living in a tree. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't yeah. know about yeah. that, but uh, <laughs> I think they're both awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's my choice. Okay, so my choice isn't necessarily not as well known, but it's because he is so obscure that I f- I figure he still fits the bill. And so I went with Padre Pio, and it wasn't that wasn't so well known, but just there's so many stories out there. And part of it is because he's a recent saint, mm-hmm. right? He was just in the, in the last 19th century, um, and so people. I don't know if there's anybody still alive that had seen him, maybe as a ca- as yes. a child. Yeah. I know people who. Oh, do you? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So like, because like, but but some of the stories that are attributed to him. I mean, he was he was a modern day saint, but also. One of the reasons why I, I really like him is because um, a lot of saints, as you kind of said, there's there's myth, there's 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 facts, and then there's legend. And right. so as I was going through a lot of the saints, there was a lot of like I, I was m- mentioning, um, I think it's Marguerite of Antioch, and she like was swallowed by a dragon. And the reason <laughs> she's a saint is because she was wearing a cross, and the cross irritated the dragon so much that it split the dragon open and she walked out and like there's there's saints like that that I can't confirm nor deny and and the legend anyways but Padre Pio they really did a really good job because we were like we're in the 20th century at that point they did a really good job a lot of the miracles that are attributed to him or with him or during his lifestyle lifetime they they did things to to forbid it or to stop it and so things like so when he was he was a monk um, and one of the things he, he was known for it was his stigmata. And so um, he got the, the wounds of Christ. And so specifically on his wrists or his hands, he got the holes and then on his feet and everything else. And one of the things that they did was to stop this from happening, they would tie his hands at night. And so they would tie his hands and feet at night so he couldn't pick at it when he was alone, uh, just to make sure that it wasn't, it was from God and wasn't something that he was instigating himself. And so they did like, so things like that that they observed and then they, they tried to put a stop to for a lot of different things. So what the whole reason, so they would tie him up, but he still had the stigmata. And one of the, one of the interesting stories is he has um, a really close um, personal relationship with the spiritual realm around him, I'm going to say. So angels and uh, people going to purgatory. And so it was known that he would just stop and have a conversation. If I was having a conversation like I am with you guys right now, he would just stop. And then the brothers, his brother monks would, would also just be expecting the the friars would just expect this of oh he just stopped and just look off in the rock like by the door and then he would listen for a minute and then be like all right have a good one thank you so much i'll continue to pray for you and then just keep going back and people like what the heck was that and he's like oh it's just 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 a soul that i'm praying for he just told me he's on his way to heaven now like like things like that that kind of happened a lot Uh, but like for that one there he he his hands and wrists are tied and he's lying in bed um, and there was a young monk that was uh, his job. His whole job was to wake up, not wake up, but to get out of bed first and go get uh, Padre Pio to, to do the divine office, to do all the morning, the prayers and everything else in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning. So this guy would have to get up first, run over, untie Fa- Padre Pio and then bring him over. Um, and then that, that kind of thing. And the young guy wrote in, wrote in his journal the story of how he would sleep in sometimes and he would sleep past when he was, should, should get up. And so here this knock on the door, this like boom, 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 boom. And, and he would be like, Oh, Oh, 
what time is it? Oh my god! Oh my goodness! We're like, oh, oh, I slept in. So he jump out of bed and he run. He get dressed real quick and then run down to Padre Pio and Padre Pio would be lying there. Again. Oh, and he's like, I'm so sorry, for, I'm so sorry, you know. And yeah, let's go, let's go, you know. And kind of we do it. Anyways, he did it three times and not in a row, but three times over over the course of a month or something. It was three times. And um, Padre Pio, like the last time, he's like, he's like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I slept in again. He's like, Padre Pio said, that is the last time I'm sending my guardian angel to go knock on your door and wake you up. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the, like like the guy would wake up. He'd hear the knock on the door. He'd wake up. He'd open the door. There's nobody there. Oh, look at the time. And then just kind of so things like that. But one of my favorite stories. I mean, hmm. Padre. Pio also uh, by location and so one of the things that he was known for was appearing in Rome specifically um, and hearing confessions and then those people would come and see him where like he was he was because of some of the miracles that were trapped uh, happening around him his superiors would kind of lock him up and didn't want him you know because they didn't know what was going on and they didn't want to like he's a little bit obscure that way so like he's got the stigmata so we're gonna lock him up we don't want him to be counseling people we don't want so he'd be kind of locked up in a in a, a monastery by himself and um but all of a sudden he started appearing uh, like just as a as a friar in his brown robes in like the vatican and in rome and 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 people would hear confess he would hear yeah. confessions for people and he would and then 10 years later, 12 years later, when he was actually allowed to see the public, these people who had a, like this amazing conf- uh, confession or moving experience in Rome would come and see him, like would make a pilgrimage to go see, and then realize that's the guy that they saw in Rome. And he would remember them, and he would be able to recount with them some of the conversation that he had. But it's also known that he was locked away in the monastery. Like There was no way that he could have got out because the superiors didn't want him getting out. But my favorite story, my absolute favorite story about Padre Pio is... Um, he had a little chapel on the hill and he wasn't allowed, he wasn't allowed to see anybody. He wasn't allowed to preach to the public because they were worried about him. They didn't quite understand what was going on. And so they had him locked away and, um, he would go, he would hike up this hill in, in the monastery grounds onto this little chapel and do mass. And so by himself, he celebrated mass. And so he's celebrating this mass. And as he was celebrating mass, um, the the superior came to the monastery whoever it was um came to the monastery and the and the head abbot the, the, i mean the um the head for the monastery but also of the order came and they were talking and they were like well where is padre they were talking about padre pio specifically and and guidance on the situation and everything else and like well where is he now he's up on the hill uh doing mass and as they started walking up the mat up the up the hill to to mass they could hear thousands of voices singing a song uh, and, and together in harmonies and everything else. And specifically, they started kind of climbing that hill a little faster. They were a little bit upset. How dare he celebrate with all these people? He knows he's not allowed to be there. And that, like they were, they kind of went in with this head of, we are going to get this guy in trouble. And so they busted open the doors to the church. Like the church doors were closed and everything. They busted open to, and, and it wasn't anybody in the church. They, they, heard the, they heard the voices, they heard the miraculous singing and everything else, except for Padre Pio, and he was just standing there, and he would stand there for hours sometimes, just in, in, at, tr- at the consecration and the transubstantiation, just peering into the Eucharist and just standing there. But the voices, so like, so the, the superior, that was one of the changing moments in the superior's minds, was like, because he heard it, he experienced the miracle of, there's voices, of, and he went in with a, like a head full of fire, you know, and came in and busted open the door, and it was just Padre Pio, in the middle of the Eucharist, just staring at the Eucharist back and forth. But at that time, he realized, oh, this is from God. This is mm. something going, like, this is something past the point.
And so that's kind of a cool, you know, he experienced the heaven on earth opening up. Yeah. So Padre Pio, if you you want to look up some obscurity and the saints, he's one of them. You know, he's awesome. And uh, Padre Pio is the patron saint of, do you know, it is uh, adolescents. Yeah. Civil defense volunteers. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And stress relief. Yeah, <laughs> stress relief with Patreon Uh I uh, have a my own, well, not my own story, but a story that someone told me about Padre Pio. Yeah, and I was uh, visiting with a uh, a person who was dying in the hospital, and a very big fan of Padre Pio, and they actually knew Padre Pio as a child in Italy. Wow! So they would go and. Uh, he, I think go to confession or mass with Padre Pio. Uh, now they moved to Canada, and there this person was on their deathbed. Anyways, uh, she, uh, she said that there was a distinct aroma that mm. Padre Pio mm. had. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Was like a like a must kind of mixed with cigar, yeah, or yeah. like there was a there was a distinct aroma that he had, and she knew it well just from being in his presence. Um, when when she, she was pregnant, she had a very difficult pregnancy and the doctors were encouraging her to abort this child so uh, she prayed for the intercession of Padre Pio very intensely and uh, there was you know the doctors were saying this is not going to be good and all these things and you're not going to this is not going to end well for you as she kept praying and praying for Padre Pio's intercession and then uh, she said all of a sudden one day in uh, I was overwhelmed with the aroma <laughs> of Padre, of Padre Pio. Pio. And after that incident where she was overwhelmed with the aroma of Padre Pio, uh, she gave birth to a very healthy child. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And so she thanks, she's very grateful to Padre Pio for his intercession, which is a very cool story that I heard firsthand from someone uh, before they uh, before they died. Hmm. So yeah, very cool. Okay, so those yeah. are our saints that uh, we Obscure. chose for this mm-hmm. uh, episode of All Saints. Now, uh, I know there's lots of saints. We are celebrating yeah. all saints, you know, so uh, I know it was hard to just narrow down one saint. So do you have any notable mentions? I can go really quick. Mine's a real quick one. It's a Saint Gall. Uh, and he's in the 500, 600, 600, 500 to 600 AD, somewhere around that. But, but the reason why he's, he's an Irish monk, but one of his stories is that he had a pet grizzly bear. And this pet grizzly bear wasn't like tied up or anything else. And it's actually, the story goes, there's two stories that kind of get us, but it's the same kind of story. Um, both, both have to do with him and his, one of his brothers were preaching in a town and then they went out to the bush, and camp- that's where they camped on the side, and a bear approached them. Now, the two different stories go, one, that the bear approached them trying to get their food, and he basically condemned the bear in the name of Jesus, um, and, and the bear ran away, like, or scared in the name of Jesus, and he ran away. The bear ran away, and then later on that night came back and lied down beside um, St. Gall, and then became his pet for life. Basically, he was just basically a tame <laughs> yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one story. And the other story is that he actually came to trying to get the food. And I kind of like this one better, but only because it kind of does remind me of two guys sitting around a campfire. But a bear comes up and he wants the scraps of the food, so he's kind of coming in and he's coming back, and they're watching the bear. And um, in in jest, almost it seems, um, 
the brother gets is a little scared. And so St. Gall stands up and says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to take that log and toss it into the fire. And the bear grabbed the log, this big log that only like a bear could lift kind of thing, but oh, like grabbed it with his mouth and tossed it into the fire. And then from that moment on became his tamed you know, companion. But I like, I like it because I could see two guys sitting around the campfire, you know, campfire maybe having an ale or two, uh, and, then, and then just kind of like the bear coming back and forth, and then one being like, oh, no, no, you don't have to be worried about it. Watch, watch. We got the power of Jesus here. You know, and, it's kinda, <laughs> and, then, and, and basically tells the bear to throw don't it. Don't be afraid of that yeah. bear. That's, Anyways, how, that's how you evangelize. Yeah. That is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a model for us all. I mean, he, he yeah. brought the carrot, and then the bear was the stick. Yeah. That's yeah. the... <laughs> um, yeah, notable so mention. <clears throat> my notable mention. Um, so again, I split the criteria between obscure and awesome. So my obscure was David the Dendrite. But for me, awesome, and maybe slightly obscure, um, I picked Albert the Great. Um, so oh, okay. Albert the Great is not not unknown, um, but he's usually lesser known compared to All the his, other greats. his student, which is St. Thomas Aquinas. Exactly, so yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas is just kind of this monolith of, of, of a saint um, that a lot of times his, his teacher you know, flies under the radar. So yeah. Um, doctor of the that, church. That's why I picked him. He's a doctor of the church. Oh. Uh, 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 Albert the Great is a doctor of the church as well. Um, and he was, uh, um, the reason I like him is that he could be described as kind of a hinge of history, as, you know, um, a really important player in Western civilization. So, uh, again, the, the, the Reader's Digest version is that um, <clears throat> he, he was one of the very few um, in, in kind of the high Middle Ages who rediscovered uh, Greek learning, rediscovered a lot of the um, um, texts and philosophers that were in, in a lot of ways lost um, uh, at the time cool. of the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, so he, he was uh, noted for translating a bunch of Arab texts, uh, Arab medicine. Um, we talked about um, uh, St. Hildegard a little while ago as mm. being, in, in, in the same time period, just kind of a polymath, just you know, uh, a master of every subject. And this, this, this was Albert, Albert the Great as well. Um, but he, um, and, and anyone who's a fan of St. Thomas Aquinas knows how much, you know, Aristotelian philosophy and logic and um, influenced um, the way that he did theology. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, in, in kind of a, uh, a meta way, um, really, really bridged um, natural science um, and religion, faith and reason. And um, Albert the Great and Thomas Aquinas um, are, are really key players in um, the development of the idea that, um, you know, not only is, you know, faith not in conflict with reason, but these, these, these represent a unity um, that, you know, we, we don't need to be afraid of, you know, older philosophies. We don't need to be afraid of science um, because God is the author, the author of creation. Um, and, you know, the more we can strive for unity in these things, mm -hmm. uh, the better. So he, he really kind of paved the ground in rediscovering these ancient texts, translating them, um, and developing a curriculum and a way of, of teaching and communicating that really paved the way for St. Thomas Aquinas to be St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, and yeah, I just really, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, awesome. I really yeah. like him. Yeah. It's awesome. Good choice. So I have two notable mentions that I'll, uh, and then we'll quickly wrap up here. My first one is St. Januarius. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, he died at the beginning of the fourth century. Why? In January? Uh, he was, he was uh, ordained a priest at like the age of 15. Wow. Yeah, he was a bishop young. at the age of 20. Holy okay. So he was a bishop during the persecution of Diocletian. And uh, why I uh, he's my like notable mention is because today, like when he was beheaded, and uh, they they retained like a vial of his blood, 
And uh, now it's uh, like he was the Bishop of Naples. So now in the church in Naples, the cathedral in Naples, I believe it's cathedral, uh, they have this vial of his blood, St. Januarius. And three times a year, this blood liquefies. And it's on on September 19th, which is his feast day. Uh, uh, commemorating his martyrdom. On December 16th, it uh, celebrates the patronage of Naples, as the Archdiocese of Naples there. And on the Saturday before the first Sunday of May, it commemorates the day that his relics were reunited because his head went somewhere and his body went another place. They were finally reunited. Anyways, three times a year, his blood liquefies. Also happened, I believe, in the presence of Pope Pius the 12th, when Pope Pius the 12th, I think, visited uh, St. Januarius. That's pretty cool. There. In his presence, it liquefied. Anyways, very cool. Look him up. Okay, so that's my first honorable mention. My second honorable mention, quickly, just because it's really funny. Saint <laughs> Drogo. Oh yeah, Saint yeah, Drogo. Yeah. He died in the 12th century. <laughs> Poor guy. Lost his parents as a child. Was adopted. He lived this austere life. It was dedicated to poverty and prayer. But he got really sick. Uh, he also had, like Padre Pio, the gift of bilocation. He was mm-hmm. said to have. So he got really sick, and his appearance altered because of his illness, right? So why I bring him up is because he is the patron saint, no joke, of unattractive people. <laughs> <laughs> so there's luck for us. So yeah, there's <laughs> luck for us. All, all of a sudden, his his uh, patronage goes up. You know what exactly. I mean? Like a lot of people pray and asking him for some help. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you're well, 30 to 40 and still don't have a mate... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's all the time we got. Uh, thanks for sharing the saints. Uh, and of course, we can't list all the saints. So maybe you're listening out there. You have a favorite saint. Uh, drop us a line about your favorite saint, maybe an obscure saint that you know, or maybe just uh, one that everyone knows, but for a reason, uh, maybe you appreciate their patronage. So uh, drop us a line. You could drop it in the comments on our social media pages, right on our YouTube video, or drop us a line at askusatthecatholicbuzz.com. So That's all the time we got today for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan. My name is Father Danielle. We'll see you next time on The Catholic Buzz.